Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the GRC and Cybersecurity Podcast. On today's episode, we've got a really special guest, Carla Raffel. In this episode, we cover her career in cyber, her transition from a recruitment business into running a cybersecurity business, and then we also cover the skills and things that you would need to bring in a cyber person to support your board. Hi, Carla. Can you first introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about the company you work for and what they do? Sure. So I'm Carla. I've worked in cybersecurity for over 10 years and I now work for Orpheus Cyber. So we do threat-led cybersecurity products, most notably risk ratings, external attack service management and vulnerability prioritization. Amazing. So before we get going, one of the things we always look at is what do you get up to outside of work? So you can tell a little bit about what you get to outside of work. I have three pretty young boys, so they keep me pretty busy. Uh, they're all soccer obsessed, so uh, four of them, if you want to count my husband in that too. So I feel like my life is spent at a soccer pitch or wa- watching soccer. And we've lived in America for about three years, so a lot of time trying to explain what I actually mean to America. <laughs> like versus football <laughs> and the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've given up on that one, as you can tell. It's just soccer now. Everyone knows what I mean. So do you mind telling us a little bit about what your role is and give an overview of how you got to your role? What's your career in cyber been? So I started my career in cyber in recruitment. So I ran a recruitment business and pretty early on in that business, someone said to me, you should really check out this cyber security thing. I think it's going to be big. Um, so <laughs> thankfully we listened to that person and we did, and we very quickly sort of doubled down and just did cyber security. So I grew that business and ultimately sold it five and a half years ago now. So I've been in cyber quite a long time. And I then was able to move to Orpheus uh, about three years ago, where actually they wanted the skills that I'd gained running a business to come into their business. So even though the actual business itself was slightly different, there are certain things you do running a business that are the same, I think, no matter what the sector and what the company is. So, and still cybersecurity related. So it's not entirely different. And kind of that network and knowledge I'd built were pretty useful when I came into Orpheus too. So your role in office, so what are your key responsibilities? I look after a lot of different things right now. (laughs) So a little while into my journey at Orpheus, uh, the the thing we decided to do was launch the business in America. So I spend a lot of my time on America and how we grow and how we kind of build the brand here because not many people have heard of us out here. And in the UK, we're accredited by the Bank of England and great people like that. So that's really helpful in the UK, but in the, the US, People sort of nod, but they don't care that much. So how we kind of build that credibility out here is really important to me. And then my background has been in HR, obviously. So I look after HR and I've done a lot in marketing and inbound marketing as well. So I look after that too. So there are a lot of different responsibilities, but they all kind of come back to that main mission of let's take America and let's grow the business overall. Fantastic. So... Can you talk a little bit through the size and stage of the Information Security Pro? I know it's your core business, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the business is about six years old and the products have been around for coming up to two years now. So what's really core to all the products we have is our threat intelligence team. They're very intelligent people who are accredited and like very, very very good, very good at critical thinking, very good at their analysis. I'm really passionate people typically too about the the work that they do. So 
how that team's developed is really critical to the success of the business overall. A lot of them have started with us as interns. So we hire a lot of people at entry level and train them so that they sort of grow with us as a company. So that's kind of the, the stage of that team and the stage of the business overall. We're really in growth stage. We know our products good. We know our customers like them and we just need more people to know about them and use them. So who do you report to? I guess, how many people are in your team and what are kind of your direct reports and what does that look like? So I report to the CEO. He's obviously busy and just keen for everybody around him to get on with stuff. So that works quite nicely. And then I have a sales team in America. I have marketing and I have HR. So they are, I suppose they are a little bit different kind of all yeah. those areas. <laughs> Yeah, but I've got I've got a really good team. People that are, I think, passionate might be the wrong word, but they are passionate and they are just very good at getting on with their work autonomously. A high level of accountability amongst those people as well, so they really know what they're doing. They're career driven. That makes my life a lot easier. Amazing. So, what areas of cyber are you spending most of your time on at the moment? Vulnerability prioritization is the big thing for us at the moment. You know, it's a, a smaller part of the product and it developed out of being a feature of another part of our product. What I think everyone is seeing is a real understanding in the industry that CVSS is not a good risk measure and people looking for alternatives. So I'm spending a lot of time either educating people on that and why there are alternatives out there, not just ours, there's a few others, but why they're better and how they can use them. So that's the cyber issue that I'm spending most of my time on right now. Do you mind expanding a bit more on that? Because again, it's an area that I constantly kind of harp on about is like a vulnerability CVS score is not really, but do you mind talking a little bit like to the listeners, why you think that and uh, kind of what the solutions are that are out there? Yeah, sure. I mean, they say that themselves. They say this yeah. is a risk measure. This is a it's just quite easy, isn't it? It's like, okay, well, that's, that's here it is, that's high number or high score, let's just use that. But what can people do? So there are things within the CBSS score, you can go and um, change it so that it is relevant to your environment. But really that is quite time consuming and you do have to you know, spend quite a lot of time on that and understand what you're doing to get that to be useful. So there's solutions like ours, which give a different way of prioritizing. We're using threat intelligence to prioritize in a, a different way. So a simple way of describing that is we'll tell you which ones are being used in ransomware attacks. And if you've got five or 10 vulnerabilities being used in ransomware attacks, you might want to think about patching those rather than just it's a seven or an eight. So I'm going to I'm going to patch that. So that's how we're helping people prioritize. We're also able to predict which ones can be exploited in the future. Now, there's not many. I haven't seen anyone that can say that they can predict which will be exploited in the future. And that can be really helpful as well. It's maybe slightly when you're slightly more mature in your program, but actually if you've patched everything that's really critical and truly critical based on what threat actors are doing, then looking at what's coming next and saying, well, is that more critical than something else that's got a, a lower score, even if that's being exploited already, can be a different way of prioritizing. Just making you risk focused, do more with what you have and actually make yourself more secure. Fantastic. So I think one of the other things that we like to do is we'd like to do a bit of a deep dive on a subject. So when we last spoke, you mentioned about this explosion of board advisory work for CISOs, and you've got an ebook that you're working on. Do you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about this subject and some of your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I mean, I sit on three boards and so I've really seen an increase in how many companies, what are, the angle I'm coming at it from is kind of vendors who have advisory boards. There's obviously different rules, particularly out in the US, that's increasing the opportunities for security to be advising the board and what they have to do. But I'm coming at it from that kind of vendor perspective. And I think those roles are a good opportunity for CISOs to get some experience of being on a board, particularly if their aspiration is to go sit on the board of a Fortune 500 or a FTSE 250 company or whatever and be that security advisor. But I've really seen companies use this and lean into this and they're leaning into it for different reasons. It might be they need product advice. It might need, mean that they need business advice or they might just kind of want to know what's going on in the industry and increase referrals and increase brand awareness. But I think there's been an explosion of this in the last few years. And actually, I'm not sure there's a real understanding on what some of those terms are. Like, what's the difference between a board, a non-exec board, a customer advisory board, all the different types of boards that are out there? What do you need to think about if you're putting people onto that board? And how do you get the most out of them? So the ebook I've worked on is, uh, kind of covers some of those issues to try and help CEOs and companies get the right group of people together. Given what you just said, what are the kind of skills you think that you should be looking for? So if you're a vendor looking for people to kind of advise you, what are the skills that you'd be recommending someone to go and find? It depends what you want, but I think you need a mix. So I think you need a mix of people that know the industry inside and out and can tell you what trends they're seeing and can help you get some of that feedback. I think ideally what you want is somebody that understands how you sell. Because when you're a vendor, when you're maybe any business, selling is really what you care about. And one of the things I do see is CISOs don't always know how to sell. They know how they like to be sold to. And they like to make LinkedIn posts about this is how you should do it. Have never actually done it. And so I think that's a skill set that is kind of missing. And that actually, if you're looking at putting a board together, Either you want people who are aware that they're missing that and they want to learn it and that's their opportunity, or you want people who know it and can help you with that. So you've kind of started, I guess, to answer my next one. It's like the things that you should be wary of. So is that just things like, like you say, obviously not aware of the lack of their commercial skills? Is there anything else that you'd want to make sure that you're getting or be wary of when hiring people in this space? I think integrity is a big issue and that not just, you know, are you a person who has integrity, but I think you then do run into some or can run into some issues. Do you expect this person to be your customer? Because that can give you all sorts of problems if, you know, you're not open and, and you know, are you remunerating that person and their main employer doesn't know about it? Are they, you know, do they feel under pressure? So I think kind of looking at that integrity is a key thing to be aware of and there's I think there's some pretty easy ways around it but it is something to watch out for and to have in mind before you start down this road. So if you were bringing someone on now and you were bored what would you recommend them to do so how would they go about this process and again how would you advise them to bring someone in? I would advise them to think about who they want what's your like we have ideal customer personas but what about ideal board personas and how does that relate to your ideal customer persona as well? So understanding that for you as a company and then finding people that meet that. Maybe you have a wish list. Maybe they're not just people you know. Because I think the other thing to think about is it's easy to go to your network and get people that you know and feel comfortable with. Are they actually going to challenge you and help you grow? And are you missing an opportunity to have a more diverse group of people at the leadership level of your business as well? So 
I think the first thing is work out what your ideal person looks like because you can then go find them and start that whole process and induct them from there because you've got really clear on what your goal is. So are there skills that you think that this person needs to have? So I know you've said, obviously, the commercial awareness is something if they don't know about it, it's something they need to be aware of. But like, is there like three or four key skills that if you were advising a board that this person must have before you start to go, actually, that's the right person to bring on and advise us? Probably. (laughs) It will, of course, vary by person to person. And it depends on your team, right? What does, how do those people complement each other? But I think aside from the commerciality, aside from that network, understanding how they communicate and how committed they are going to be, because these roles are not always paid right now. Sometimes they're paid in cash or stock, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes people are doing them because they want the experience. So then are they actually going to read what you send them in advance? Are they actually going to show up to all the meetings? Like how committed are they going to be? So understanding that. Then you've got a group of people, right? Whenever we do group meetings, they take longer than you think they will and they can go off on tangents. So either you need really good people who can operate in that that environment or you need a really good moderator. And that moderator probably shouldn't be you as the CEO. It should probably be somebody else who can keep you on track and ask the questions that Maybe it's you can't ask because it sounds like you're selling to them. The moderator can do some of that for you. So I think those are the extra things I would think about. Okay. So flipping back more into the cyber industry, but what are the some of the biggest challenges that you have as an organization? Is there any particular challenges in the industry that, that you see at the moment? I think the industry is moving to efficiency. I feel like that's going to be the focus for the next year or two, maybe just because businesses in general are going to be thinking about efficiency now. So we've had periods where companies are looking at point solutions, and I'm not sure if that's going to continue. I wonder if they're not going to want to bring things, bring solutions all together so they have fewer vendors. And they look. I think they're going to be looking for things that help them drive efficiency. So whether that's through prioritization, whether that's through reducing cost, or whether that's through reducing headcount, I'm not sure it matters, but I think that's what the industry is kind of focusing on. And that's where we're focusing too. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think we're in the same space, which is that very similar that people want to reduce the number of systems they have to maintain. They want to have a centralized view so they can look at the they will say a single pane view of glass of the things that they need to focus on, but basically bringing together data so they can make informed decisions. And people hate that phrase, right? But there's enough businesses out there that literally plug all your systems into one to give you that single view that are doing very well. So as much as people might hate that phrase, I think they like the solution. <laughs> and I think as well, like boards and senior people like that view, right? I mean, whether or not it's always that it's not that easy to do and you've got to have all the data and you've got to make sense of it, but having that view where you can make an informed decision is something a lot of people value. Um, so I know obviously you've worked in cyber recruitment and obviously you've hired people, but like, what are the skills that you look for that make a great information security professional? I think the first thing is those soft skills. So if somebody wants to move up in their career, if they have aspirations to be a CISO or a senior leadership role, they're going to need to understand risk and they're going to underneath, need to understand how you communicate that to people who aren't in security. Now, if you aren't very good at that or you don't want to get better at that, then that's fine too, because you can do very well in security now by being hands-on and technical and not having to communicate that way. But then what you're looking for is that passion. And are they people that listen to podcasts like this one? Are they people to go and do extra learning in their own time? That's the sort of thing that I'm looking for. I don't think every role needs passion to that level where it is your whole life. 
but I think those people tend to do very well and that is one of the things I look for at an entry level where things are let's be honest pretty competitive right now yeah no I agree and it is really competitive and it you just want someone to see that like, they've taken an interest and they used a bit of initiative to go away and learn even if it's not the like you say their entire world but it's they've gone away they've spent some of their own time learning about it and they can talk even at an entry level about what it is and what they think that you do yeah exactly and i'm not sure it was like that five or ten years ago then we were just desperate for people and <laughs> if you wanted to do this that was great and those people probably were the really passionate ones but things aren't like that now there are i mean we probably get between two and four hundred applicants for every entry level role that we put out so there is a lot of competition and actually that is what's going to make you stand out so yeah we're heading into i guess the the last two questions but one thing i always like to ask people is if you could have one wish to solve one thing in security what would it be thought a lot about this question <laughs> your initial thoughts are well i'd just like there to be no cyber security issues right but I don't think you can have the the light without the dark in life in general. So maybe that's not the answer. I think the thing I would actually like to solve is I'd love for cyber to have a 50-50 gender split. I think if we were the career, like the STEM career that managed to do that and we could show the results you got from that, that would be really exciting for me. Yeah, no, we had uh, Jane Franklin on and spoke in depth about this. But yeah, I think having a diverse workforce is really important so you just have people who think the same way and even more so in cyber because you want to think in the different ways of what well all the different things that can happen to your organization i think if you end up with 10 people who all think the same way yeah it is and i've seen a little bit of backlash on this lately like i you know i wasn't sure that this is where i wanted to continue speaking because i am seeing people who don't necessarily support that who feel that things have gone too far but it just hasn't, right? All the all the evidence says this makes you a better performing team. And actually, maybe that does mean certain groups are having to prove their worth a little more. But women have had to do that for a very long time. Like the awards I've judged where I've seen what women do to compared to the men is insane, the amount of extra projects they take on. So I think this is just levelling the playing field. Yeah, no, and I agree. And look, it obviously should be down to making sure people have the right skills. But look, I think ultimately having a mix of people from different genders different backgrounds is a really important thing so you don't all think the same and whether or not i think just people get a little bit hung up on this but the reality is if you don't make that change it's never going to happen and you can end up 10 years later and this hasn't happened and it's not being a change do you want to hear my soccer analogy for why this for how this works so you know because no one ever said you shouldn't hire people for with the skills right no one ever said that but I now think of it like a, a sports team, a soccer team, whatever. You know, if you need a striker, you don't necessarily pick the best striker in the world. Like, look at Ronaldo at Manchester United. That didn't work out so well, okay? You have to pick the best person for your team. And that might mean that the best person for your team has different skills because they are female or a different group, whatever it is, that means your team become diverse. So. You would accept that in soccer and sport. Why can't we accept that in a business sense? Completely agree. So I think the last thing we always look at is we look for someone to refer. So if there's someone that you think is interesting. So is there a security leader that you think would be interesting that we could have on this podcast? I am loving Brent Deterding at the moment. And I think maybe you've said he's coming, but he is saying some really interesting stuff. He keeps repeating this and I love it. Like I don't buy $10 solutions to $5 problems. So I will be very excited for that episode. 
Fantastic. So thanks, Carla. It's been great having you on. I uh, really you. appreciate your time. So where's the best place for people to reach out to you? LinkedIn is uh, probably the best place to find me. And then there's a few other places, but you can find them all on my LinkedIn. And my name's kind of unusual, so there's really only one of me. Fantastic.